Welcome to the Just What I Needed to Hear podcast with Yoga Farm Ithaca, where we teach you how to live the principles of yoga both on your mat and off the mat in the living curriculum of your precious life. So the first thing always when we're talking about digestion and uh, to look at particularly when you know that you're already very conscious of what you eat and you're very conscious of um, how you move. And, you know, you just, so when, when it's not an instant, like, oh, I know that when I, when I eat a lot of fruit or when I eat spicy food or, you know, just fill in the blank, this is what happens to my stool. You have to back up and look at the uh, link between emotions and digestion. And so a lot of times when there isn't a, um, a food or, uh, something on the Anamaya Kosha level, that's impacting how we eliminate it's likely in the energy body layer. And so what I, what I mean by that is, you know, and you've heard me say before that everything is nutrition. Everything is digested in our bodies and in our physical body and in our emotional body. If we don't digest something energetically, our body will attempt to do it for us. And so it's just really important to get clear with what are you processing and digesting through the energy bodies emotionally and how is that emotion being allowed to move and express in all its fiery ways because that's what's happening it's digesting in a fiery way if you have very very loose tools and what are you not allowing yourself to digest in that fiery way and so the fire is getting dense and it's and it's causing some uh discomfort and wreaking some havoc in your intestines and in your uh, in your elimination and you got to get pissed off about it. Like, and express the pissed offness, express the anger and let that fire get hot. Let that emotion get hot. Um, there's a really great Kriya. I don't know if I have this, um, recorded anywhere and you definitely could look it up. So it is uh, the strengthening the central nervous system, Kriya. Let me see if I can pull up a PDF here. Uh, and this posture in particular, um, I mean, this, this set, there is a posture in it where you're essentially hinged at the hip. So you're standing and you're bent forward in like an L shape. So kind of imagine like you've, you've done a halfway lift from a forward fold and you're bent at the hips and you're facing the floor. And from that L shape, you actively make your emotions bioavailable. Like it asks you to feel and to feel in and whatever that feeling in looks like to let that come out. So you might like growl. You might like scream. You might rage. You might laugh. You might cry out loud, sob, wail. There aren't any rules to it. It's just like whatever emotion 
you feel into, let it come up and out while you're in that posture. And some of you might remember too, that when you hinge in the hip, um, you start to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. It's not a deep hip hinge, like you're folding in half and you're still in that bent hip scenario. You're, you can be in balance. So it's not like the emotions are going to come up and out and take over and ruin your whole day. You're, it creates a lot of balance in that aspect. And yet if we don't feel the fire and we don't let the fire fully express, our body has to digest it for us. And that's when we see a lot of that um, fire element come out in our elimination. And, and it's like, you know, it, it, it's, it's at least, I mean, in the, in the good sense of it, it is your body is digesting it for now. And at some point it might burn things out in not a really great way. It's so much, it's, it's not, it's not an optimal way of eliminating. And it also can prevent the digestion fully of the nutrients in your food. If that fire is amped up so, 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 so much. Um, and so some people tend to have a, a really emotional um, eliminating system, digestive system, and and it's it's brilliantly designed. Uh, people who don't have an emotional digestive system uh, sometimes will experience when anger rises up that they're not processing things like urinary tract infections and kidney infections and um bladder infections, things like that. So, you know, of the two, um, it's a pretty difficult thing to, to kind of, uh, think of as I have to handle this right now, you know, like a, a bladder infection or a urinary tract infection is usually so painful and so uncomfortable that we do something about it immediately. Whereas having really, really loose stools, it's easy to be like, oh, this is just how I poop when it's your body desperately trying to keep up with breaking down and processing this heat, this pitta fire anger that for so many reasons, we've all been taught that messaging around, you know, don't, don't be angry. Don't be ugly in that way. Don't be a bitch in that way. And, um, times and places we got to process this. You got to get angry at him. You know, the central nervous system, the endocrine system and the nervous system, they really have so much power over what's going on in our physical layer of our body. And they're a link to our emotional body and our physical body. It's like, they're the interdimensional highway. <laughs> they're the rainbow bridge. Um, we can feel something in our nervous system and then it will move into our physical body to create some bioavailability of that. If we can go into that when it is bioavailable, when we feel it, and what I mean by bioavailable is like you get angry, your body gets hot. It's instantly on the surface. It's in the anamaya kosha and not just the pranamaya kosha. You're not just having like, um, and you're not just having mental thoughts about being angry either. You're not like that person sucks. I'm mad at them. You can feel it rise up in your body. So your central nervous system is activated. Typically, we then go into fight, flight, freeze, faint, or fawn, depending on how we operate. And if we're fully expressing and we're not going into total fight or flight, 
freeze faint all the f's mode um if we're given an opportunity to express what wants to come out we can then you know prevent some dis-ease from happening in the physical body uh if we don't have access to an opportunity to do that, it can simmer in our nervous system. We can become hypervigilant. It can become a trauma response. It can become like a conditioned pattern in the nervous system. So when we do this Kriya, we are strengthening that central nervous system so that it isn't so at the mercy of the environment that is around us. Um, we have a little bit more space between a stimulus and how our energy bodies are going to react and respond and then how our physical body is going to react and respond. Um, and this Kriya also, the one that I put the link into, it's, <clears throat> it's also really about reconnecting, like tethering or anchoring to the part of yourself that is the most authentic version of you and your soul's expression. So it's not, you know, kind of surrendering to the egoic response. It's not um, letting the ego be in charge of how you're going to react and respond. It's staying really connected to your soul and having you express from that place and also recognize that we need to, we need to express. It's not like more spiritual to not have feelings. It's not more spiritual or evolved to not get angry at somebody. Um, the, those are kind of spiritual myths that we carry around. So this is a really fantastic Kriya uh, to bring us back into that. And because of this particular posture uh, in it, that's an opportunity to make something bioavailable that might not be because it's already been squished. So um, what I mean by that is like, <clears throat> if I am you know, at a family member's house and somebody says something and I am like, what in the name of holy God was that? And like, I want to scream at them and rage and be like, this is why I won't come visit you. This is stupid and blow up and leave the house. Right. I probably won't do that. I know enough and can be aware enough to know that this is where these people are in their path and journey. Right. Great. I know that. I knew that going over to their house. I felt myself get activated, paused the activation. Now it's two days later. I want to make that activation available again. I want to, for all intents and purposes here, re-trigger my memory of that feeling so that it can come up and out and I can digest it so it doesn't fester in there. Constipation is... um. A, a combination, of course, just like loose stools of what's going on in the physical body itself. And um, when it can't be relieved, when it seems like, uh, you know, exactly what you just said, I've tried this thing and it works for a little bit. I tried this thing. That's when we are like, okay, this is an underlying emotional scenario. So constipation is always at that point about control. And, um, and, this can be hard for people to understand because sometimes the first reflection is, well, I don't, I don't want to control other people or I don't care about, you know, controlling every situation, that kind of stuff. Um, and more often than not, I mean, it could still be that. And more often than not, it's really about wanting to control yourself 
control your environment, control how you react to things, control what your day is going to look like. Um, and the when that's part of your personality type, when that's part of, um, uh, you know, just your, Matt says I have to stop calling it this, but I don't know what else to call it. When that's like part of your Terminator model, like that's just how your body and your energy system was built. And so it can be really hard to actually, un, you know, unhook those wires and readjust them in another way. So it's like, what, what ways can you truly surrender because if we're not practicing surrender and um, we might even think that we are <laughs> and mm. we're not, um, if we're not practicing surrender, everything about modern life tells us that we need to have control. We need to be in control. We need to take control. This is just messaging that we've received and it's how modern culture op operates. You know, we want to have control over daylight. So we create electricity. We want to be able to have control over um, our schedules. And so we hyper plan everything to the point where there's, there isn't even time for spontaneity or even there might be resentment around spontaneity. Um, and then usually there's a counter resentment that there isn't any spontaneity. So um, it's, it's really deeply ingrained control. Uh, and it is not typically like easy to suss out. Oh, I can see how, um, you know, when somebody else does something at work, the first thing that go comes to my mind is like, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. <laughs> because it's not like, like we can just kind of be like, oh, I, I recognize and I'm calling myself out a hundred percent. Like I, totally get the struggling with constipation. And, um, you know, there have been times in my life where I was just like, I don't know how I'm, I'm probably never going to poop again. You know, I've had those thoughts. <laughs> um, and the more that we can release, the more that we can recognize that we don't actually like control is such an illusion and a distraction. And, um, and kind of like chasing something that the mark keeps moving because we don't we don't have control and have control over very many things maybe our breath in some scenarios and we don't actually have control over anything else and so noticing where we're clinging noticing where we get attached to things and want to squeeze them and grasp them because like that's kind of what's going on we're we are holding on to shit in every way that we can think about that phrase. We might be holding on to a job. We might be holding on to a person. We might be holding on to a location. We might be holding on to an identity, holding on to uh, a personality trait, holding on to a group of friends. We're holding on to all the shit and attempting to believe that with that is, is a sense of um, consistency, groundedness, uh, not having to worry about things and, and it's all very illusory. And when we've experienced childhood trauma, and of course there's like such a huge 
spectrum of how that can play out. On one hand, we might have had hyper controlling parents who had their rules and their their plans and their things, and this was the way. And so there was a matching of that energy to a degree and learning some of those behaviors and also wanting to be in control. Um, there's the other side to it of, of the childhood trauma where like parents are kind of loose cannons, right? And like, you don't know what they're going to do. And so how we create safety in our world is by being controlling about certain things because that feels very grounding and it feels very like, uh, you know, again, like I'm wrapping myself in a blanket. I feel safe knowing that, um, I just took control over this and, uh, and I, and I completely understand, you know, I, I love and adore my mother so, so much. She, um, you know, she's just such a brilliant and mystical human being. And as a child, when I was like, I just want dinner at the same time every day, <laughs> like don't want to wonder what we're going to do about that. Or if anybody's thinking about that, um, you know, it, it, can create this scenario. Well, like, I guess I have to figure this out. Uh, and the hyper independence kicks in the, um, uh, ability to, you know, kind of nobody else needs to worry about it, let alone, uh, the next level of, I can't even count on anybody else. And at the root of not being able to count on anybody else is needing to be in control of the situation. If you count on someone else, you are letting, you're abdicating control of that thing. Um, and, and it's really interesting how it plays out in the digestion in our body. You know, it's like, it's like how the thoughts and the emotions that we're having while we're eating also has an impact on how that nourishment is taken in and how it is absorbed or not absorbed, held onto or released in our bodies as well. So, um, you know, emotional eating completely a valid way of attempting to process and move and shift through emotions. We've talked about this before, and yet the more conscious you can be of it and shift the inner thought that it will have an impact on the way that that food is assimilated into the body, absorbed into the body, turned into nourishment, and then eliminated. So, it, you know, nothing is separate. Nothing is, um, Nothing about our human vessels, energy-wise or physical body-wise, is operating as an island. So um, it's really, really vital that we feel the feelings and we recognize those feelings. So, you know, like it's really great to go down that path of what that means and how I be when I feel these these types of ways. And it's just as important to go back and to remember like, here are all the examples of um, how I, I don't actually have to cling to control of myself because I am inherently good. Like everyone is inherently at their core soul level, inherently good and getting divorced, uh, losing a job, having to move, um, you know, whatever the story is around not being good or not being good enough is false. It's a, that, that is an evidence of the contrary because it doesn't change who you are at your soul's level. 
your value is inherent, your goodness is inherent. And so it's important to stay very, very deeply connected, you know, doing the Kriya um, for the heart center, for, for doing the set for heart connection and staying connected to heart and soul, because that's not the place that this, that this, these messages come from. It's an ego headspace where these messages come from. And, and in such a self-protective way. And when we're children and it feels like the adults in our lives aren't like really taking care of us or present for us at the way in the ways that we want them to be as a child in our child brains who don't have any idea of what these other humans with their full lives are doing. You know, I just always like to be parenting is the hardest job on the planet, right? Like you guys all know this, right? And so we're never going to nail it perfectly. And sometimes we do this inner child work and we're like, fuck, my children are so screwed. <laughs> How did I not figure this out before I had children? And it's fine. It, I'm telling you that it's fine because we all have to go through this hero's journey to become conscious adults. We have to go through it. And of course, in an ideal world, we would prevent anyone from harming our children, let alone our own oopsie whoopsies, underdeveloped concept or stressed out response to them is having that like harsh impact. And I assure you that there's going to be their, their time to unpack and it doesn't need to be, uh, you know, shame, shame on you. So that was just my, my aside, because we do tend to rip parents a new one when we talk about all this work that we're doing. Oh, my parents were sucky. Um, and, you know, when we have that experience or that thought as a three-year-old, as a five-year-old, as a nine-year-old of like, what in God's name are my parents doing? Because I watched Full House and Danny Tanner had his shit together. He wasn't making anybody sad. So like, where are my parents that act like that? Like, we just make up these stories around what like, perfect parenting looks like as a nine-year-old or as three-year-old on the side of the road. And so, you know, when we, when we make those statements of, I wish that my parents would X, Y, and Z, that's not the problem. And then we are, well, then we decide, well, if I do A, B, and C, my parents will fill in the X, Y, and Z. That's where the problem is born because we carry that story with us. If I'm just good if I just don't complain if I am quiet if I clean the kitchen if I get good grades if I marry a rich person like whatever it is then everything will be fine and and I will be good and right and my parents will love me in the way that I magically want them to so we just get to go back and look at those patterns and reevaluate like I am inherently good I am inherently valuable. It doesn't matter what I am doing or how I'm being in this world. It doesn't matter if I write a best-selling novel or if I spend, you know, an entire season in the woods hiking and camping. Like our value on this planet already is set. We can't, you know, escape that. We just have to remember it. 
and then keep remembering it over and over and over again because the messaging is of the contrary we can't live in a capitalist world if everybody thinks that they're doing a great job <laughs> we can't we wouldn't buy anything we wouldn't do anything we wouldn't try to fix anything in in our lives if we believed that exactly who i am every single day is perfect for this incarnation 